welcome to today's episode. Today I will be reading Neville Goddard's lecture titled Fulfillment of God's Plan. Um, I don't have a date for this one, so it is an undated lecture, and it's about nine pages long, so it's going to be in two parts. So this is part one of Neville Goddard's lecture, Fulfillment of God's Plan. I think you're all aware that this is the most dramatic week in Christendom, and yet I dare say that not an nth part of 1% of those who call themselves Christians really understand what it is all about. It's the story of the fulfillment of God's purpose. That's the week, the triumphant march into Jerusalem, the crucifixion, and then the resurrection. And it's told as though it took place on earth. That's how the story is told. For as Tennyson said, truth embodied in a tale shall enter in at lowly doors. So man cannot think abstractly, so it's told in the form of a story. And man has mistaken the story for the reality. Let us now look to see who the one is spoken of in Scripture. They say his name is Jesus. You may not believe me, but I'll tell you who Jesus is. Say, I am. That's Jesus. Don't say, I am man or John or Peter or anything. Just I am. That's Jesus. That's God. That's the Lord God, Jehovah. The crucifixion is already over. It was in the beginning of time, a deliberate act on the part of God, all over. The resurrection took place and is taking place and will continue until everyone is awake. So you say, I am. That's Jesus. Now, it begins with the march. Mark tells us that he took the twelve and then he walked ahead of them. The way Mark states it, it is as, it is as if he were one whom a dream had possessed and who went forward to fulfill all that the prophets had foretold. For he said, I have come to fulfill scripture, the only purpose. Now, not a man on the outside fulfilling scripture, this one who is God, is buried in you when you say, I am. You may not be aware of it aside from dreaming the dream of life, which is this. He also is dreaming the fulfillment of his purpose. And the day will come you are going to reproduce within yourself all that is said in Scripture concerning Jesus. Then you will know who Jesus is. It is said that he told them, We're going up to Jerusalem. And all that was written of the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. And the evangelist adds, They understood none of these things. This saying was hid from them, and they did not grasp what was said. Only the risen Lord can interpret Scripture. Only his finger could trace the ambiguous phrases of Scripture and extract their heavenly meaning. It's a pattern in Scripture. That only when he rises in you as you, can you take the Old Testament and simply follow the pattern? You know what the pattern is because you've experienced it, and the whole thing unfolds and the whole thing is told you in the Old Testament. But it's a pattern. It's told you as though it's history, ancient history. It's divine history, and that history, not page after page, but a pattern, goes through the entire thing, and then that pattern unfolds within you. And when it unfolds within you, you actually gain that certainty that I am he. There is no other way you'll ever know it until until it unfolds within you. 
Now, God came and comes into human history. And now we're going to give him a name in the person of Jesus. But the Jesus in you, in me, in every child born of woman, that's the only Jesus in eternity. I am that Jesus. Well, now he's a father. When God is born within you, for that's the beginning of it all, you first awaken within you, and you do not know you are God. You only know that you have awakened from the most profound sleep ever, and it seemed like eternity. You did not awake on the bed where you fell asleep the night before. You awoke in a tomb, and the tomb is your skull. And you awake within your skull, and you're all alone, and no one is present. But you have a built-in, innate knowledge what to do. And you do it, and you come out of your skull as a child comes out of the womb of woman. But you're coming out of your own skull, and you pull yourself out of your own skull. And the imagery of scripture concerning the birth of God surrounds you, including the little babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, and three witnesses to the event. So you're told, when they came, they saw the heavenly being, but him they did not see. It's the birth of God. God actually took upon himself the limit of contraction, which is man. Now he is born, the birth being an expression. There's no limit to expansion. God is forever expanding, and then, at a moment of expansion, he then has a new venture of contraction. Then he expands beyond what he was. Then he contracts. Then he expands beyond what he was, and that is God's play. There's no limit to expansion. He puts a limit on contraction. The limit is man. So when you break the tomb, you come out, and you are God. Therefore, no one can see you. The heavenly host who were present to witness the event can't see you, for you are spirit, you are God. But you see them, and you see the babe, and you see everything round about you, just as described in Luke and Matthew. But you do not know that you are God. That comes later. And you'll not in eternity know you are God until God's Son calls you Father. And God's Son, the Christ of Scripture, is not Jesus. It's David. Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the Lord God Jehovah in you when you say, I am. That's Jesus. That's not David. Who then is Christ? The Son of God. David then comes, and when David comes, there is no uncertainty as to who you are, for he calls you Father. And, and before he utters the word Father, you know you are his Father, and he knows he is your Son. And this relationship is now what every heart is aching for. When this is established by an actual experience, the drama is over. Everything is over that you came to perform, to find the Son who... In turn, will reveal you as God the Father. For he is sound asleep in humanity, and man doesn't know that he is God. And when he is born from above, he still doesn't know he is God. And not in eternity can he find out who he is until the Son appears. So we are told in Scripture, No one knows who the Son is except the Father. And no one knows who the Father is except the Son and anyone to whom he chooses to reveal him. So they do it, 
because they know neither my father nor me. Had they known my father, they would have known me also. But they know neither my father nor me. So you find you've got to actually feel between the words. For he's speaking one moment as father and then speaking in another moment as son. It's a mystery. And how are you going to tell it unless you tell it in the form of a story that it may enter in at lowly doors? But man, hearing the story, learns to feel behind the story and feel what it's trying to convey. But when you actually experience the story, then you know the mystery. It's the mystery that everyone, one day, will unfold within himself and he'll know that he is God. So, this is what confronts man this week as it's dramatized but not told. For they do not know it. They do not know the story. Let me turn now to the 55th chapter of Isaiah. I will make a covenant with you. Now he's speaking to all of us. I will make a covenant with you. And this is his covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. I have made him a witness to the peoples. That is my witness to the peoples. Now what is he going to witness? The truth of God's word. So God's word is scripture, and the scripture spoken of was the Old Testament, and the word is truth. I make him now a witness to the people, and he has my steadfast and sure love forever. Now that is my covenant with you, said the Lord to us. We turn now to the trial, and here we find one called Jesus standing before Pilate. And he turns to Pilate and he said, For this I was born, and for this I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. Now he tells you he is not of this world. Unless you are born from above, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. He's not speaking of the birth from the womb of a woman in spite of all the priesthoods of the world. He is speaking of an entirely different birth, born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. He said, I am from above, you are from below. Now he's not speaking to you, the being who is God. He is speaking to this body here, this form below, or this from below. This came out of the womb of my mother. But there is that in me which is I am, and no woman can bear. That must be born from above. It is that in me which is I am, and that no woman can bear. That must be born from above. It is now entombed in my skull, entombed in your skull. But the skull of which I speak is a divine skull containing all of us. That is the skull. And it is said in the 87th Psalm, And this one was born here, and that one was born there, all within the one grand skull, and it's called Zion, another name for Jerusalem. So when Paul said, The Jerusalem from above is our mother, and she bears children into liberty. The Jerusalem from below bears them into slavery. While my physical mother, bearing her ten children that she raised, she wove garments of flesh, and these garments of flesh came from below, from her womb into slavery. 
For we're all slaves of the bodies that we wear. But housed within that, from above, there is another Jerusalem. And she is our mother who bears us into liberty, into freedom. You come out of your own skull, that divine skull, and you're set free. Well, then you come into this world to bear witness to what? To the truth? So I made him a witness to all the peoples. Well, what is he going to witness now? The truth of scripture, that God is a father, and that he did say to me, I will tell of the degree of the Lord, said David in the second psalm. He said unto me, Thou art my son. Today I have begotten thee. If scripture cannot be broken, what other son are you holding up now before me that I may see? You may see all the hallucinations in the world as artists have painted dozens and dozens of different portraits of one they call Jesus. And they said they saw him. Ask the artist, when you saw him in your imagination and you painted on the canvas or you sculpted, did you know then you're looking at the Son of God? If they say yes, well, then you must know that you are God. Because no one can see the Son but the Father, and no one knows the Son but the Father. Therefore, if you are looking at the Son of God and only God can see the Son, well, then you must be God. What are they going to say to that? And scripture cannot be broken. Read it in the 11th chapter of the book of Matthew. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom he chooses to reveal him. So, I know in my own case, raised in the Christian faith, as I was, and I call myself a Christian from my own personal experience of this great mystery, but I did not know from my mother's knee or in my school, because we had Bible reading, and Bible study when I was a child. It was part of our schooling. We had to go to Sunday school. I was taught the Bible, raised with the Bible, and there it is, but I didn't see it, and my teachers didn't see it. My mother didn't see it. My father didn't see it, and no one that I ever met ever saw it. So I didn't know it until it happened. It happened to me, and then I could not then make it fit in with what they had taught me. I had to go back and reread scripture, and there the whole pattern was there all along, but only the risen Christ can interpret scripture. Only when David rises within me and calls me father. Now listen to these words. When the time had fully come, God sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Father, what time has fully come? When you have borne the great fardel, the great load, the burden, the allotted span. Not before you've born or not before you've borne it the allotted span can he come. And when you get to the end of the road and you've borne that burden, then the spirit of a son comes into you, and here he rises in you. You resurrect your own son, and that son is God's son, therefore you are God. That's when you gain the certainty that you are God. Yet while you wear the little garment you are still in a straitjacket. And all you can do while you wear it is to tell it. Try to clarify the atmosphere and scrape off the barnacles from the ship that gathers them over the centuries. Far from belittling Jesus, I have placed him where he actually is. 
He is God. He is not the Son of God. He is God. <clears throat> Excuse me. He is the Lord, a symbol of God, that you may say, but he wasn't born of any woman. The only woman of whom he was born, I am. That's the Jerusalem from above. I am Mary, and birth to Christ must give, if I in blessedness for now and evermore would live. So each must bring forth the son, and it's the same son, only one son. And when you look at him, no uncertainty, no one need tell you anything. There you are, looking at your son as though memory has now returned, and you have suffered from total amnesia up to this moment in time, and suddenly your memory returns and you know who you are, your God the Father. It's going to happen to every child born of woman. Not one will be lost. Not one. I don't care if you're a moron today if you're brainless. That's only a temporary experience in this world. That brain that you have, really the true brain, is not really adult at all. That's only some distorted aspect of life for a little while. Maybe you'll go through life spending 50, 60 years in some distorted brain, but it's still not the brain of which I speak, not that divine brain. If your child is not a balanced child, a demented child, I know it's a hard thing to bring up and a hard thing to face in life, but that's not your responsibility. That little thing there that you call your child that is demented, behind it all, behind that mask, it is part of the burden that it bears. It is the perfect being that is Jesus, and that Jesus in there is I am. It was never tarnished. It was never soiled. No matter what it has done in the world, it was never soiled. And one day it will awake, and when it awakes, it comes out of the tomb. So Paul could say, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, not I. Christ lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me, and that Son is David. Listen to the words, I have found in David the son of Jesse a man after my own who after my own heart who will do all my will while the word jesse means jehovah exists that's what the word means so jesse is the father whose father david's father and who is jesse jehovah and who is jesus jehovah he is the lord but no one can say jesus is lord except by the holy spirit and who is the Holy Spirit? The Remembrancer. When the Son stands before you and memory returns, and you are his Father, and he is your Son, then only by his return of memory will you ever know. And so no one can say that Jesus is Lord, and Jesus is the Father. For in spirit David called him my Lord. Why did he call him my Lord? Well, that's a title of a father. So he called Jesus my Lord. He is the I am in you, the I am in every being in this world. So we'll go up to Jerusalem and all that was actually written about the Son of Man, which is the title that he used of himself, will now be accomplished. So I'm going up to Jerusalem because everything is going to happen in the skull. That's where Jerusalem is, the Jerusalem above. 
I'm going up to Jerusalem, not down. And all things said of the Son of Man will now be accomplished. So he goes up and the whole thing unfolds within the skull. That's where you awake. That's where you explode. When David comes out, it's an explosion in your head as though you had put some dynamite to your head and the whole thing explodes. And when it all settles, here stands David before you. He was buried in you. And when he said to me, I laid myself down within you to sleep, who said that? The depths of my own soul. The Lord said that. I laid myself down within you to sleep, and as I sleep, I dreamed a dream. I dreamed, and I knew exactly what he was dreaming. He's dreaming that he's I. And when the dream is over, we aren't two. We are one. No longer will he simply treat me as something on the outside, an emanation of his. No more the emanation. He cleaves to me, and we become one being. So when a man leaves this world, his father, his mother, and cleaves to his wife, and this is the wife, the emanation of God, yet though his emanation, it's his wife until the dream is over. When the sleep is over, we aren't two, we are one. And I know that when I awoke within me, I wondered, how did I get here? Who put me here? For this is a tomb, this is a sepulchre, and only one who thought me dead could have put me here. For this is a tomb, and only the dead are placed in tombs. So someone, I didn't realize then, that it was a deliberate act on my part. Okay, so I am going to end part one here. So that is part one of Neville Goddard's lectures titled Fulfillment of God's Plan. So I will see you guys in the next episode for part two. Thank you so much for joining me for another lecture. Have a wonderful day. I'll see you in the next episode.